I can remember The covenant was sealed With Father, Son and Spirit In water was revealed The cleansing was for certain With water and the Word Gentle words were spoken in heaven they were heard They were singing What a life, beginning life What a life, all my life What a life, spirit life What a life A simple sweet beginning Loving place to start Christ began the singing That swells within my heart His love became my calling His life my ministry His name is my adoption Into His family they were singing, what a life, beginning life, what a life, all my life, what a life, spirit life, what a life. My hope and expectation for true community. Begins with resurrection, His death and life in me. His spirit fills the body, His church through water sees. Promise for tomorrow, His water life in me. They were singing, What a life, beginning life. What a life, all my life What a life, spirit life What a life When they were singing What a life, beginning life What a life, all my life What a life, spirit life What a life, what a life what Good morning and welcome to Bethel Lutheran Church. I'm Pastor Amy Beveridge, back from a summer vacation with my family, and this is our online worship experience. We want to extend a special welcome to those of you who might be joining us for the first time. We're delighted that you have found us. And I want to thank those of you who are faithful and you're listening every week for blessing us with your presence. We are mindful of you and your families and your places throughout our ministry and in our prayers. We are closing in on the end of summer, an exciting time of transition for our students. I want to invite you next week to join us for a youth-led worship service featuring their voices and their leadership. We call it the blessing of the backpacks, and we want all you kids, teens, teachers, administrators, and support staff at schools 
to help us pray over the beginning of another year of learning, discovery, growth, and no doubt some struggle and challenge as well. We hope to see you next week, and if not in person, with us here in this virtual worship space. Parents Night Out, by the way, is also coming up for us. Get in touch with myself or the office if you want to know more about that. It's on Friday night, August 26. So if you have kids and grandchildren who would like to participate, we need to hear from you. Okay, let us come together now with our whole team and envisioning our whole community as one settled in our hearts, open in our minds, ready to worship the one God as we are called in spirit and truth. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Almighty God, to whom all hearts are open and all desires known, and from whom no secrets are hid, cleanse the thoughts of our hearts by the inspiration of your Holy Spirit, that we may perfectly love you and worthily magnify your holy name through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Let us confess our sin in the presence of God and one another. Gracious God, have mercy on us. We confess that we have turned from you and given ourselves into the power of sin. We are truly sorry and humbly repent. In your compassion, forgive us our sins, known and unknown, things we have done and things we have failed to do. Turn us again to you and uphold us by your Spirit, so that we may live and serve you in newness of life, through Jesus Christ, our Savior and Lord. Amen. God, who is rich in mercy, loved us even when we were dead in sin and made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved. In the name of Jesus Christ, your sins are forgiven. Almighty God, strengthen you with power through the Holy Spirit, that Christ may live in your hearts through faith. Amen. build a house where love can dwell and all can safely live a place where saints and children tell our hearts can to forgive build of hopes and dreams and visions rock of faith and vault of grace hear the love of christ shall end divisions all are welcome all are welcome all are welcome in this place let us build a house where and justice meet. Hear the love of God through Jesus is revealed in time and space. 
As we share in Christ the feast that frees us, all are welcome, all are welcome, all are welcome in this place. Let us build a house where hands will reach beyond the wood and stone to heal and strengthen, serve and teach and live the word they've known. Hear the outcast and the stranger bear the image of God's face. Let us bring an end to fear and danger. All are welcome, all are welcome, all are welcome in this place. Let us build a house where all are named, their songs and visions heard, and loved and treasured, taught and claimed, as words within the word. Built of tears and cries and laughter, prayers of faith and songs of grace. Let this house proclaim from floor to rafter, all are welcome, all are welcome, all are welcome. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. response to the hungry and the poor that we may live out truth and justice and grace let us pray to the Lord let us pray to the Lord Kyrie eleison on our world and on our
for your spirit to guide that you center our lives in the water and the word that you nourish our souls with your body and blood let us pray to the lord let us pray to the lord Kyrie eleison on our world and on our way Kyrie eleison every day let us pray O God, mighty and immortal, you know that as fragile creatures surrounded by great dangers, we cannot by ourselves stand upright. Give us strength of mind and body so that even when we may suffer and we will, no matter where our journeys take us or whatever challenges come to us, we may rise victorious through your Son, Jesus Christ, our Savior and Lord. Amen. Well, in our readings this week, we return to Peter's story. The last two Sundays in church, and thanks to Pastor Mary Stein Weber and Pastor Charlie Little, we have focused on Paul's conversion from a radical persecutor of the church to witness and follower of Jesus. We are now in a new part of the Acts journey, where Luke, who is writing this account, is weaving together two characters and their travels. And Luke does this beautiful thing going back and forth between these two movers and shakers of the ancient biblical world, Peter and Paul. As Paul's story grows in focus, as it will through the middle portion of this book, Peter's story will begin to recede. It's gorgeous literary genius here. They both leave their indelible marks on the early church, albeit in some different ways. Ironically, Paul is actually more willing to break with rituals and traditions, and I say ironically given that he was a rabbi, more willing to break with rituals and traditions than Peter, where Peter, I think, despite his willingness to welcome Gentiles to Christianity, tends to be more traditional. It's important for us to recognize that the Bible honors both impulses, the impulse to break and to create, and the impulse to continuity and tradition. Both ways of being are capable of absorbing outsiders to their Hebrew covenant identity. It's just a question of when we leverage which one. We we have them both as part of us. When do we leverage those impulses? I think the other difference between these two powerful men comes down to their spiritual conversions. Where Peter's conversion of heart largely grew from his interactions within the community and in the context of the people he encountered— Paul's conversion is much more inward and forcefully driven outward from himself. You see, Peter's sort of learning and observing and receiving the world around him, and he was like that with Jesus as well. His spirituality is so externalized, where Paul, at this time in his life, is having this deeply personal encounter. His spiritual force moves from the inside out rather from the outside in. Again, these two men represent two sides of the same coin of faith. Now, that's just my take, but something that I'm playing with in my own reflections. Peter as the spirituality of community, Paul as the personal convert. Again, this is at this point in the story. That, of course, changes the longer that Paul engages with Christians on the various roads that he travels. So today we pick up with Peter on a trip to the coastline of Israel, uh, Jaffa and uh, that northern part, Caesarea, 
We actually preached about that with Pastor Mary back in the Easter season, this, this very portion of text. It's a pretty involved vision he has regarding clean and unclean animals and the kosher rules, and then how that affects his willingness to eat slash be in communion with Gentiles and welcome those from outside the tribe to Christianity. The piece of scripture offered today comes from his final words to Cornelius, the Roman centurion, and the crowd of Gentile witnesses that were around them after these dreams and visions that Cornelius and Peter had. And the central question is answered here for Peter and for us, who can be baptized? Will it just be Jewish people who are then converting to Christianity, or can somebody from without the Jewish tradition also be baptized? So that's the question, who can be baptized? And with that, let us hear our word. A reading from the 10th chapter of Acts. Then Peter began to speak to them. I truly understand that God shows no partiality, but in every people, anyone who fears him and practices righteousness is acceptable to him. You know the message he sent to the people of Israel, preaching peace by Jesus Christ. He is Lord of all. That message spread throughout Judea, beginning in Galilee after the baptism that John announced, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power, how he went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. We are witnesses to all that he did both in Judea and in Jerusalem. They put him to death by hanging him on a tree, but God raised him on the third day and allowed him to appear. Not to all the people, but to us who were chosen by God as witnesses who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead. He commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that he is the one ordained by God as judge of the living and the dead. All the prophets testify about him that everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name. While Peter was still speaking, the Holy Spirit fell upon all who heard the word. The circumcised believers who had come with Peter were astounded that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out even on the Gentiles, for they heard them speaking in tongues and extolling God. Then Peter said, Can anyone withhold the water for baptizing these people who have received the Holy Spirit just as we have? So he ordered them to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Then they invited him to stay for several days. The Word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. A reading from Psalm 103. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. Who forgives all your iniquity, who heals all your diseases. Who redeems your life from the pit who crowns you with steadfast love and mercy, who satisfies you with good as long as you live, so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. The Lord works vindication and justice for all who are oppressed. He made known his ways to Moses, his acts to the people of Israel. The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. Amen. Amen. 
A reading from the Gospel according to Luke, the 13th chapter. Now he was teaching in one of the synagogues on the Sabbath, that is Jesus, and just then there appeared a woman with a spirit that had crippled her for 18 years. She was bent over and was quite unable to stand up straight. When Jesus saw her, he called her over and said, Woman, you are set free from your ailment. When he laid his hands on her, immediately she stood up straight and began praising God. But the leader of the synagogue, indignant because Jesus had cured on the Sabbath, kept saying to the crowd, There are six days on which work ought to be done. Come on those days and be cured, and not on the Sabbath day. But the Lord answered him and said, You hypocrites, do not each of you on the Sabbath untie his ox or his donkey from the manger and lead it away to give it water. And ought not this woman, a daughter of Abraham, whom Satan bound for eighteen long years, be set free from the bondage on the Sabbath day. When he said this, all his opponents were put to shame, and the entire crowd was rejoicing at all the wonderful things that he was doing. The Gospel of the Lord. I just want to take a moment before I get into the heart of my sermon message today, which will be on the Acts. I need to address something in this story because when we read this portion of scripture and we hear about Jesus being chastised for healing on the Sabbath, we assume that that was actually Jewish tradition. But in fact, there is nothing within the Jewish tradition or in scripture that says that you cannot heal on the Sabbath. So whatever it was that Jesus was trying to correct, it, was, it wasn't endemic to Judaism itself. It was something within the culture, something that had been, had been warped and misunderstood. So he's actually bringing all faithful people back to the heart of their tradition. So if we, we read that poorly, we end up pitting ourselves against the Jewish tradition. And, um, and I just like to correct that wherever possible because we can, we can come away with a lot of misinterpretations of Scripture and of how we are to be with brothers and sisters of different faiths if we, if we do that. Okay, so sermon. I have always loved trains and buses. I'm going to talk about my vacation today. Probably I have always loved them because I grew up in the country and they felt so novel and adventurous. Riding them meant we were going someplace exciting and they quickly became my favorite way to get to know a new place. And again, probably because they were full of people and people were kind of a rarity in my world living in the boondocks like we did. I knew the trees really well, people not so much. Even something as simple as riding the subway to work when I lived in a city, it never bored me. In the cities of Scotland where the streets are old and narrow and the buildings were well in place before parking garages, riding the bus is a necessity for everyone. All walks of life ride the bus there which makes them particularly interesting places for people watching. We were up on the top of a double-decker, headed back to Nana and Papa's for the evening, when a gaggle of teen boys swung up the stairs and filled the seats and the space with their swagger and their swearing and their vape fumes and their rowdy chatter. Now Jacob, my son, went stock still as he took in these young men 
breaking rules and volleying their bravado about. See, ever since my young son returned home from camp with a sailor's mouth, we've instituted new house rules. If you use a curse word, you have to pay anyone who heard you a dollar. The rule is for everyone in the house. And smelling a money-making scheme here, Jacob has reformed himself quite nicely. So on the bus, he was all ears to these young men. I was imagining that he was just seeing dollar signs in his eyes as he was listening. When we got off the bus, we all had words to share about our ride. We were all paying close attention to these young men. Jacob, who had been silent for long minutes, took this big gasp of air, winding himself up so he could start essentially tattling on all the spicy conversation that he had sponged up. As for me, I was enjoying how the boys upended my prejudice expectations. They were typical Scottish teenage boys. Their language and accents, their jokes, their strides, their posture, their fashion, the way they instinctually radiated a barely restrained aggression that silently but forcefully said, don't mess with me. They reminded me of my husband when he first emigrated to the U.S. before California and family life softened his hard edges before living in a less violent culture gave him permission to let down his guard somewhat. One could make a lot of assumptions about these young men. Yet between the rough words and racist joking, they were talking about whether they should take AP physics or not, and the two behind me were having an involved discussion about the nature of being spiritual versus religious. Yes, they challenged my assumptions, which always tickles me. I feel like those moments are little gifts from God to show me how unpredictable the world is according to my brain and how my brain would like to sort people. Ian had his own insights. Most of these boys came from families who had emigrated from Middle Eastern and South Asian countries. You only knew this from their variety of joking and their physical features. And that's what fascinated Ian. When he lived in Scotland, the global refugee crisis and immigration policies were quite different. He knew one boy whose parents came from Pakistan. That was it. He said that what made this boy Scottish was his willingness to defend himself in conflicts. He said this boy was challenged once. He stood up for himself, and after that, he belonged, and no one seemed to question it. So seeing Scottish boys from such a variety of ethnicities was new to Ian. To be clear, there was no way of knowing if these boys had emigrated themselves as small children or been there for a couple generations, but whether they or their parents or whomever it was newly arrived, they would have made choices about how much to take on from their new culture. Food and language and dress are obvious places of choice, but then there are all those other things like stride and posture and ways of being together that are hard to put into words and yet signal belonging. What is it about Scotland that makes such a strong imprint on its newer arrivals, Ian wondered aloud. Now, I have a sociological answer to that, which would take us on another path for this sermon entirely, but for now, I just want to appreciate the complexity of culture shock. Ian was having culture shock. He was like one frozen in time, which, like me, it kind of tickled him too and made him appreciate the human journey. He was the one now challenged in his own identity. He was the one who now struggled when visiting to figure out how to pump gas and use a bank machine in the country of his birth. He was the one whose accent had been so Americanized that people asked him to repeat himself. He was the one who, when we took out an American passport for him, confused the border officials. Scotland is a people in flux, and Ian felt this even though the norms of Scottish culture are well enforced if that bus ride was any indication. 
I wondered about their stories, those boys, what it was like stepping into this new old world with rules that had been in place for hundreds of generations. For them or their parents or grandparents, what did it all mean for them? Did anyone still resist their presence? And I think that's why I shared it today. It was just one of those moments that stayed with me from our trip, that double-decker bus filled with human encounter, the lands and languages and histories we all carried. And as I stepped back into the river of scripture this week and swam again into the verses of Acts, it was all right here for me. The problem of fitting in versus belonging, the anguish and triumph of new cultures coming together to worship the one God, the threat of the stranger to those who fear losing something essential if they offer a full, unmitigated welcome to the other. Even on them, those Gentiles, the Holy Spirit had been poured out, says the Bible. Yes, Peter in that ancient world was amazed because the Holy Spirit came even on them. Peter makes sure to leave no question as to who may know the living God. And notice this, he orders the baptism of this new crowd. Isn't that interesting that he orders it? He seals the work that God has done in their midst. He makes sure that no question will remain as to their loyalty and their identity. They're just like us, he says. These Roman centurions, soldiers, they're oppressors. None of them born to a Hebrew tribe, but they are just like us in all the ways that matter just like us. That is the word of grace in Acts again and again. Tim Mackey, whose scholarship I so admire and inflict on you any chance that I get, he said that as he has studied and prayed over the course of his career as a Bible scholar, he has come to see that there is no more defining issue in the New Testament than that of welcoming the stranger and moving through conflict. The whole New Testament is organized around the conflict of how Christians make community across difference, belonging even in the presence of division, or maybe even saying, right, even this, bolder, the body of Christ most especially in the presence of division. As they say, cultural clash and its resolution for the followers of Christ, it's the whole enchilada. That is where it's at, cultural clash and its resolution. I'll share with you another powerful moment from my time away, which I cannot shake. At the airport on the return home, I sat down next to a woman while we waited for our little puddle jumper to London. I was intrigued by her backpack. On the shoulder strap, written in permanent marker, in all caps was her name, Dr. Evelyn Nicodemus. But the irresistible thing was written on the other shoulder strap, Doctor of Philosophy. She was a doctor of how we know things. I felt my nosy self drawn towards her. I'm one of those annoying people who still insists on talking to strangers on airplanes rather than looking at my phone. When she shifted her weight, I simply pointed down at the words and said, wow, tell me about that. You know, I don't even say hello to people. I just assume that they want to talk to me, which I know most don't. She started laughing immediately and said her granddaughter had visited her office and having newly learned to write, took it upon herself to copy words that she saw all over her backpack. She didn't even know what they meant. What are you a doctor of, I asked. What kind of philosophy? I study religion, she said. I could tell that was all she was going to say because she didn't expect me to understand. So I followed up quickly. Yeah, me too. I'm a pastor. Her eyes lit up in recognition. She was on her way to Princeton for the year to be a scholar in residence. Ooh, Princeton, I said. Presbyterians. I'm a Lutheran. You are, she exclaimed. So am I. 
Now, I've only met one other Scottish Lutheran in my whole life of travel, and she lives in Walnut Creek, California, and happens to be my home pastor. Then somehow I worked it into the conversation that my church had Swedish roots, and it turns out that she was married to a Swedish man, and they actually spoke Swedish in their home. I marveled at her life. She was born in Tanzania, a predominantly Lutheran people. She lived in many countries, spoke upwards of seven languages, coming at long last to settle in Edinburgh, my husband's city of birth, where she said, I got my PhD here, but I couldn't bring myself to leave. They were my village. This is the world Peter and Paul made possible for us. Two women born on different continents, neither to Hebrew tribes. Two women who could not come from more different childhoods or cultures, basking together in immediate friendship in an airport far from the land of Israel and millennia away from Roman centurions and first disciples. Now think about this verse of scripture. Can anyone withhold the water for baptizing these people who have received the Holy Spirit just as we have? It was the same question the Ethiopian asked Philip several chapters ago when he heard the suffering servant speaking to him from the scroll of Isaiah. Can anyone withhold the water? If the answer had been yes, anywhere along the way in this story, Everlyn and I would not have found each other and shared our kinship for that brief moment in time before we boarded flights on our separate ways. That is the world that God made through the early church, a world where strangers might recognize each other in an instant. May we all be blessed with the richness of being recognized in our faith toward God in devotion to the humanity of one another. May we say to the ones who ask us, is this water of life for me? May we never hesitate to say yes. May we sit in wonder of the changing, vibrant, beautiful world that God remakes every day. May we feel the challenge of it as a new way of life seeking to be born and never fear for our death. And most of all, may we know our home is in Christ alone, the living one, who graces us this day and always with a witness that binds us together eternally. Amen. Whatever your race may be, 
children of the living God are surely kin to me. In Christ now meet both east and west, in him meet south and north. O Christly souls are one in him throughout the I believe in God the Father Almighty, Creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, God's only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead. On the third day he rose again. He ascended into heaven. He is seated at the right hand of the Father, and he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. O God of justice and love, we give thanks to you that you illumine our way through life with the words of your Son. Give us the light we need, awaken us to the needs of others, and at the end bring all the world to your feast. Through Jesus Christ, our Savior and Lord, to whom with you and the Holy Spirit be honor and glory forever. Amen. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not in temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. The God of steadfastness and encouragement grant you to live in harmony with one another in accordance with Christ Jesus. Amen. The God of hope fill you with all joy and peace and believing so that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen. The God of grace bless you now and forever. Amen. called to baptize we witness to grace and gather our people from each land and race in deep flowing waters we share in Christ's death then rising to new life give thanks with each breath Christ called to banquet, one table we share, a haven of welcome, a circle of care. Although we are many, we share in one bread, one cup of thanksgiving proclaims Christ our Christ called to witness, by grace we will preach the life-giving gospel, God's love we will teach. 
by grace may our living give proof to our praise in costly compassion reflecting Christ's ways unite us anoint us O Spirit of love for you are within us above equip us for service with gifts you bestow in Christ is our calling in Christ may we grow go forth into the world to serve God with gladness be of good courage Hold fast to that which is good. Render to no one evil for evil. Strengthen the faint-hearted. Support the weak. Help the afflicted. Honor all people. Love and serve God, rejoicing in the power of the Holy Spirit. Thanks be to God.